sounds. I know it must be thinking of something else. You tapped the boxy metal and it carried on. The consciousness, known in vocalities are a place to keep a voice which is true, by either its gently honesty or its voice so pure and truthful that it cannot be heard or only as an idea, a continuous idea which to say it so is too complex, but honestly it's the truth which moves each electron and in our synapse makes it fire, because that is its choice, option key as it were, the one you have to know about to tap it out on a keyboard, with shortcuts to get you there on demand and faster than anybody else, because you know and it provides a continuity to keep and love in continuity, in ever and onward, etc. Dot. 44 lines this time about, and that's half the other in twice the space, a spread and out and about it all the time that this is that and the other are continued in continuations. Coded justly and while to say it is time, is always inevident, it may be quite well to know that a time to cease is never mostly ever a time to stop any form of truth, and as known truth doesn't speak, nor make silly contractions to save time, or perhaps it does like that shortcut, shorthand long idea, tap tap machinery in room where what is said is absolute truth, and how else to record it but to say it in the efforts utilized to type up these messages, is and should be by a trained professional who would never work in an environment of untruth, as she or he may falter at the keys, and that would be known. Perhaps a special drop in the letter L again, so deft and non-obvious that you need to look at the printed paper to see the discrepancy and pauses in the actual ink on the paper, where truth was misspoken and interrupted a cycle of electricity, as it was carried around and loosened like a string temporarily forgotten. It's time to vote soon. And as we should and be participants all the time, though those set aside in buildings to shield their hearts from us, or perhaps they need their hearts to work for each other to make things a better place, and to know is ours and theirs and they are us. And wouldn't it be nice? Well and well politics is a funny beast in this day and every day and age and our news is certain as it is in itself and now even unboxed and injected simultaneously and when we look from our past and present we may report in our usual fashion as to provide all sides, and that has very likely skewed the news from even the B.F. Skinner Day's approach, as advertised, they may say in small print with large images and a characteristically fake able timbre of inflection, and eye contact into a machinery that was designed for looks and to be looked at, direct and directly although it comes in airwaves and not direct as person to person current and currently, current. And they're on the other side of town? Dot. It's a funny time, to be a planet, again and again we may now say to it as discoverable. And making the best out of it is what we do, and do, well, well. And a falter, like the stenograph is noticed in ink on sidewalks, and on walls and buses and although cleared is visible under each layer where it has been seen before, and even painted on with our minds and animated, as in that puddle again with a trapped avatar, or was she just? That she was seen in a light which warbled to a whim of anther she was trying to help, and luckily a cope was not thrown into the reflection to walk across. Dot. And, as with truth, like the random number collector from a computer system, the content which is driven off its generator is weighable, and by the creator whose mind may tire of a particular topic, or perhaps it is the listener who tires, or cares as much as the author gives to each present and presently electrically observable atomic lattice of creaturity. This has been Aquacue from the labs of Isle of Man and a continuation of continuity.
as it were, and brought to you by the letter L, in a timely piece of time piece, piecery of the kind that lays down, chips. The list goes on in this derimy punchy bit at the end is just the next bit's beginning. Well, it's 111, menu table minutes of a past tense little side alley the unspoken tangent which was a clubby club frequented with a pair of headphones in a mass in separation and a perception of separation until interrupted noisy silence, and the visual is slightly painful in these moments to hold and tap about, and that is how we cease for a brief fired second, and time as materials. Here we go. Perhaps the editor would be, now and in kind. Aqua QC3W. Authoring the id of the said of the inclined reclined and attention grabbing of the nessus of non-reason, or what is it, now and in a bit before and forward hence. The transfer of said materials between sky and ground. Well and well is in the cylindrical hole of non-holy, or perhaps just, is the ground up from what is seen from left to center, and not from a bit more right and about of a need to a want and the excess in proceeding processional. It was that kind and day, this the Monday marker of the just past a missed lunch or perhaps it was a well one. The robot spoke. Was as fun as in the ones meant for iPhone holiday parties, in a factory of cheese not meant for kind and gentle rats drawn up from a notebook? It was, and is and more and forward, as in to send a long, and long wished up, and write again. The fiction of levity is only the beginning of the sedentary of the bogle hotter not bondle frond and we are and about that all the time, if you know. Action to fervor is just our heavenly ways and saying. It's just a bit of now and remembered for a bit more of later, and so, full stop. The preparations of infrastructure are well and about this way, although not as too automated to a wished standing point of salted reason for slow and just moving, it is. Well, what is it? And will it be maintained or remembered or remembered again, for myself and others to see plainly and utilize in the forever point of time and framing, and will it be understood? Thoughts brief to a point that exercise should produce the threading of the what led in serial to what would be next if it were so, and so. Those writing this down may also be in a past catch-up caught singleton of thinking motive reasoning to slow and steady a hand for the understated, and we do. The weather should be a bit still, but righteous and settling in mid-space head space. The where and about as in the actual and not the dimly stated nor vector drawn to accelerate beyond a meat pie means of newy sauciness. Not all it means the squared times of non-failure age. So what are we actually on and about this fair on the earth of the today eddy, and I mean that towards the stuffery of animal crackers, like those that were the vanilla wafers before the chomp. The future, transactionally balanced is where the equal signs are not to bother towards the continuation of that function and those function which non-derive and drive a graphing calculator with stocky tape, magnetic and visualized in the line alignment of metallic particles, still and so and in motion too. It's what we write save quit, and at just 22 lines of mod botter code, the punch-up is the lead foot in a racy car carded folded neatly into our universe and electrically, stable but not gated as in a square wave nor sent to the racetrack. We find. Do we? Oh yes. We do. 
and so to brief and debrief is to pause a played up button for the attention to be settled to mint and that is all for now. A light deseration today, to re-speak is all and about this and only, the lightly tender dial of the in and about man, and its accompanying garanate, this is Aqua Q. And now we continue the Nesses of non though towards for and about action, your station, not stationary, yet written, do consider a donation, in time and just, to the comedic plight of our preceding listener, the laugh out loud is both painless and the opposite, if one drifts slightly into a mood of another without causal reasoning, so a cash settlement may settle a stomach towards the in and about, and that is head ready too, and we find, don't we hear now, the continuation of mutiny radio, and the carry on and about of self non-profess, professor, as in the ex or binomial, Pasco-driven on slighted box of ooziness. This has been Radio 11, and your host, Aqua Q. Mr. Inverness is tired. But at least he sweats alone, no one around to catch him out by tweeting pics of sodden shirts, no one to tell him how the case is going, which papers today have decided he should be cut loose. He turns on the telly, forgets it was tuned to the news, sees a protester's cavalry clashing with police in a country whose ruler's son bought one of his houses throwing an extra three million in for a few of Jeff's signature sweeteners. He switches it off. He doesn't want all these reminders of the way his world has started shrinking. Pours more whiskey. Thinks about the better times. Late nights at Haviland, with the man whose statue he unveiled, one island over from the place where one masked monster Took a fall to keep the other faces hidden. Masks. They used to joke about them, safe in their unhooded anonymity, their very Kubrick Christmas parties. He doesn't need to be accosted. <laughs> what else has he ever worn? bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees.
a un esposo, hijos, perros, gatos, un caimán O mejor me quedo solo y me aprendo a autocultivar Ya perdí el miedo ancestral
la flecha que puedo esperar más que Yay! Hi, and welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. I'm joined here by Baruch Paras Hernandez. Hello, thanks Hello. for being here. I am so excited to be here. It's so good to see you. Yeah, Yay. you too. I'm ready. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about, and we already have been talking. Let's talk. And I also wanted to thank you for introducing me to Miyamo Sebastian. Miyamo Sebastian. He is amazing. Love him. He's from Chile. Everybody buy his music, support his work. If you're rich, fly him here to the U.S. and pay him a lot of money to do concerts because he is going to take over the world. Excellent. <laughs> and we were we were talking about the videos that that uh, Sebastian has made as well, and mm -hmm. they seem pretty vivid. I thought we could maybe just go right into that if that's yeah. Well, what uh, I discovered him a while ago, back I think in like 2015, um, a friend of mine named Yosimar Reyes, who is an incredible activist, writer, and performer, um, uh, immigrant like me. Uh, basically, like he's younger than me, but I always say like, oh, I want to be like Yosimar Reyes when I <laughs> grow up. Because his career has like exploded and he's everywhere and he's a, literally an immigrant icon, rightfully so, because his writing's incredible, but most importantly, his performance when he's on stage, you can't take your eyes off of him and he's just so funny. Um, so uh, he posted on his wall, on his Facebook mm -hmm. wall, you know, hey, everybody, check this out. I just discovered this guy. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a video about the color pink mm -hmm. and it was about it was just a really beautiful video in chile all these boys trying to it was like a video discussing their relationship to feminine things mm. and makeup and um i think it's called niños rosados which means boys in pink which is funny because in, in chile that means <laughs> boys in pink but in mexico rosado means you have a, a rash so oh. <laughs> So I was like, oh, God, what is this song about? <laughs> but then I realized, oh, because oh. the, the name for pink is Rosa. Mm -hmm. And in Mexico, it is Rosa. Yeah. But if you're wearing pink, you just say en Rosa. Okay. Or wearing Rosa. But I guess in Chile, it's Rosado. Huh. Um, but for us, it's like a baby has a, a, a rash. <laughs> yeah, like you just changed a baby. And, you know, you know so anywho, that's nothing to do with the video. Uh, I just thought the video was beautiful, and then I just discovered more of his music, and one of them is called Baila, uh, Baila Como Hombre, and it's like a 
song that like chants all the things queer little boys are told mm-hmm. when they're little and it's him going through all of that and it's describing all the little boys that are trying to shine in front of their dads and yeah. even he talks about in the song i could be getting all of this wrong um it's just off memory in the song he's like i was trying to play baseball or sports and my dad was like telling me how to walk and how to talk and how to um uh you know do stuff and uh and then i guess he talks about himself and his dad and he's like my dad was happy that i wanted to be a singer mm-hmm. but he was telling me how to sing and then the more i let myself enjoy my voice he suddenly started screaming what are you doing don't sing like a faggot <laughs> like, um and then halfway through the song he switches to we should tell queer people to sing like a f- uh, fire to sing like the wind to sing like um uh like a storm and it just says it's just such a beautiful song and i think i believe somebody in a park was attacked and murdered for being queer and looking effeminate um and so they redid the song and performed it right they did this like queer which i feel a lot of queer artists are doing here or have tried to do here they took a place where something horrible had happened and they tried to um cleanse the space or bless the space by redoing the entire video mm-hmm. with the entire community right where it had happened. Oh, and so okay. you can find the video on YouTube. It's really great. And then they say the person's name who was mm-hmm. murdered. Um, yeah, it's really, yeah, he's really smart. Another person, another queer Latino that I'm like, I want to be like him when I grow up. But he's also younger than me. So I guess sometimes instead of being inspired by these amazing queer latinos i just feel like an old sack of shit no (laughs) i mean i feel like if if anything it's like by existing and being alive like and paving the way in ways that we might not ever know younger generations are safer to come out and create the art that they do Mm, very true yeah 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 i mean i hope i I hope i'm doing something to make little queer babies like little be, queer babies and like little older queer babies yeah. like the person talking right now who are really inspired by your work well i don't remember you're younger than me right how old are you you're like i'm 39 32. oh you're 30 wow yeah. that is crazy yeah. you look great i'm 38 i feel like i'm 88 i feel like in gay years i'm 108 like i feel yeah i feel like i'm mistaken first i still get I don't go out to drink every now, but like every now and then, if I go to a bar and I'm carded, I'm like, okay, first of all, I don't drink. Second of all, <laughs> I am almost 40. Um, oh, but I, I feel older. Like in some mm. ways, like I feel young. I mean, that's a whole other thing is like how, what people perceive us to be and then how we mm-hmm. feel. And I feel like also just emotionally, I feel really old. Like, mm. not that mm-hmm. I'm not immature at times because I'm still working on a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but I feel like I'm an old soul and just have yeah. a lot of. Just been around a while. Yeah, I feel like a lot of us Generation X queers and the queers older than Generation X uh, had to grow up like a lot faster. Yeah. And I I could be wrong, but I feel like everything just was supposed to happen faster because I remember just having this like, oh, God, I better I better alert everything because I might get killed at any moment. Mm. You know, we're like, uh, you know, everyone was telling us like, well, the second you touch a dude and have butt sex, you're going to get AIDS and Mm. die. So I just remember this feeling of like having to live so much faster and like mm. rail onto every moment and grow up as fast as you can because everyone above me told me this like you come out you are going to have to leave your family mm. um not everyone is like that but they yeah. were like uh like the path is you have to come out there's no way to grow up unless you come out and once you come out your family might leave you yeah. but you are going to grow up so much faster and quicker and better 
And a lot of the older gays were like, it's going to be painful, yeah. but it's okay. It's almost perfect. It's like, instead of, uh, I feel like a lot of older gay guys were trying to cheer me up, yeah. you know, because I was like, I'm really close to my family. I don't want to lose my family. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, yes, but also it's almost like a, there's a freedom to it. Mm-hmm. You can see it as a tragedy or you can see it as a freedom. Do you want to be a 32 year old dude still living at his mother's house? Cause he hasn't found a wife or whatever. Cause mm-hmm. there's at the time that was very stereotypical. There was a lot of Latino men who were still living with their moms and wouldn't leave until they got married. And, um, or do you want to like fly from the nest and fly mm-hmm. and learn how to fly on yourself by yourself and not need your parents? Excuse me. One of my older friends even said he felt that his parents respected him more mm. because they did see that he didn't need them mm. and they saw that he didn't need their approval and they were expecting him to like, you know, become this like wretched old bitter gay guy who would die slowly of AIDS. And, uh, and he didn't, he like thrived. And so they kind of were like, Oh shit. Uh, we actually really respect you a little more since you kind of told us to fuck off, uh, with good reasons. Yeah. I have a lot of older friends who, you know, it's just so wonderful to hear about all these parents that are like, our son came out, he's five. Yeah. We oh, support yeah. him fully compared to my older friends who were mm-hmm. like, I haven't seen my dad since I was 16. He mm-hmm. said he wished that I would die. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And then he passed away. All I got was a a text from yeah. a cousin. You know, it's just amazing how much that changed. But yeah, this. so I feel like that kind of sort of happened to me in, in a very long way. Uh, you know, long story short, <laughs> I feel like my parents in their own way have said, we admire how independent you became when we were like, well, if you're going to do this, we're not going to help you. Mm-hmm. And you were kind of like, okay, fuck off. Yeah. And now you still don't need our help. And we kind of find it admirable compared to their friends, kids who are 40, 39, 45, and they're still struggling. I mean, my dad's coworker, she pays her son's rent. And wow. gives him an allowance, 500 bucks a month wow. to quote unquote, help him. And he is a straight man and, and no, has no disabilities. Like she's had him tested, mm. no disabilities, no PTSD, was never in the army, has, doesn't have any trauma. Yeah. The guy just, I don't know, who knows what's going on with him. But like she, you know, I'll, uh, my dad will have conversations with this coworker and yeah. she'll be like, wait, what did Baruch do? He helped you with that? Uh, must be nice. Uh, and so I sometimes joke and I'm like, well, tell her that, I, you know, for 500 bucks a month, I'll go to her house and be the nicest son she's ever had. <laughs> she wants to pay my rent. I will send her cards, yeah. flowers, you know, whatever she needs. Because yeah. I've also heard a rumor this guy's not that nice to her. But oh, anywho. No. <laughs> wow. uh, but yeah, Miguel Sebastian is uh, fantastic. And I completely forgot what we were talking oh, about. Oh, it's, it's all tied together. I mean, it's about growing up queer or oh, any right. identity related to that, I think, and generations. And yeah. what ha- I mean, it's so much has changed a lot. And that, that brings me up to, I mentioned it a while ago on the program when Ellen was sitting with W mm. and then everyone started giving her shit. And then there was mm. this whole debate as to like, well, she did so much for the gay community. And then also, well, yeah. And she's also spending time with war criminals and excusing them for their behavior. Yeah. So you can, I think, simultaneously be like, it's great what she did with the show. And also, now that she has a platform and all this wealth, she's not really contributing to take risks or Oof. not even taking risks. I mean, how 
like it's a pretty clear <laughs> i mean it's like he's a pretty obvious war criminal i don't know that's so, so weird but that's i think about just a, a weird universe we live in yeah. where one minute you're like this woman is getting death threats yeah just for saying she's gay right on her own show in the yeah. 90s and it was People, I think a lot of young people forget what a yeah. giant deal it, it was, was back then. Yeah. Literally, like, businesses stopped. Like, my old gay friend said that some bars literally stop what they're doing to mm -hmm. show the the episode yes. where she was supposed to come out. And everybody yeah. was, like, at the edge of their seat. And people were crying. Yeah. I remember my mother, before I, this is before I came out to her, because my parents were never that homophobic. I mean, they were, like, traditionally mexican catholic conservative but they you know it was really weird to have parents who were like um if we ever hear you call someone a faggot you will be dead to us how dare you gay people mm. are beautiful mm. but then they were like if you ever tell us you're gay we will die mm. we will kill ourselves and then a demon will come and and kill us again and then we will forever burn and you will burn and the whole world will burn and if you're gay we will cry forever and drown it was just the weirdest <laughs> double like wait I, I remember being like wait 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 which one is it because yeah. you're you guys have gay friends and you're nice to lesbians but you just don't want me to be gay what is going on here but yeah even my parents um my mother mostly was like you need to watch this show because that brave woman mm. is gonna do something that's gonna change the world and i'm so proud of her mm. and worried for her yeah and i remember just being like oh this is maybe this means i can come out to my yeah. mother someday it didn't I, I came out to her and it was like the world exploded and you know uh there was hell to pay and there was fire and a lot of a lot of uh, dramatic weeping um but uh but yeah one minute she's a hero and then yeah. one minute she's hanging out with a one of the worst presidents we've ever had that's and that so says a lot because there are a lot of really bad i mean so strange yeah. Yeah. right it's so weird yeah weird 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 yeah. weird, weird. I, I felt like when that happened on the internet i didn't know what to say or who which team to to join and mm -hmm. the ones i mostly um related with were the people and everybody hates these people the people who were like you know uh humans are never going to be just a villain or just a hero. Mm -hmm. They're going to make horrible mistakes, even if they've done heroic things. And then, of course, the internet was like, fuck you. How yeah. dare you disagree with us? We hope you kill yourself. And it's like, oh, oh wow. Yeah, I feel like the internet has a lot of them. Um, there's that old fable, Aesop's fable, where there's the land animals went to war with the sky animals. Uh -huh. And it was like the eagles and the condors and... Like even the even the butterflies were like fuck the land animals uh -huh. and the lions and the elephants were like no fuck you guys and there was like this weird war, and the bat who was like, well I'm kind of you know I like being on land sometimes because I'm a mammal but I yeah. also like flying yeah, um was like I kind of like both sides and the duck was like look bitch me too but I mostly fly so I'm joining a side you have to pick a side oh the duck was like you have to pick a side. Or when there is a winner, you will be seen as a traitor. Oh. And the bat was like, no, I kind of am going to follow my gut. So in one war, he was with the uh, bird side. Yeah. But then the birds started doing shady things. And he was like, that's fucked up. So he joined the animal side. Yeah. Sorry, the land animals. Yeah. And the land animals were like, mm, we thought you were with the birds, but okay, you're going to help us win this. But then the animals started like eating the birds. Oh, and no. I was like. Hey, that's, that's not cool. So he joined the bird side. Anyway, finally, 
the land animals and the bird animals decide to have a truce. Uh-huh. They're like, the war's over. Yeah. We've declared peace. Yeah. We're all going to get along. Okay. And the bat was like, ugh, it's about time, y'all. Yeah. And then they were like, no, fuck you. You never picked a side. That means you're spineless, and that means you're weak, and you're a coward. And they cast him out. And the poor bat was like, but... But what? What? And they were like, no. From now on, you must live in shame and in the darkness and in the caves. And the Aesop fable was like, and that's why to this day, bats live in caves. Because you should always pick a side. And I remember being little and reading that and going like, that is, that sounds like bullshit. Or that sounds like, no. You know what I mean? Like, that sounds really odd. And I feel like the internet is like that especially twitter they're like oh no you better pick a side Ooh. it's black and white or else we're all gonna hate you <laughs> you know um but yeah i didn't really know what where i fell with with that i mean i still thought it was fucked up but like i mean i don't know for all we know the illuminati could be saying like look bitch do you want to stay rich or do you want us to kill you you yeah. better be nice to this old war criminal or we're gonna steal all your, all your money and epstein you while you sleep <laughs> you know and alan was like oh fuck all right i guess i better be nice to old grandpa bush because i don't want to i don't want to die i mean that is if they're even i mean who knows that's the thing i don't know if you if you are out there illuminati um i wish you no harm yeah uh carry on i don't i don't know if they listen to this show but i hope that they don't (laughs) if you do i love you please send me money i'm just a poor mexican send me money i love you beyonce so <laughs> just in case, you never know. Sure. Can't be it's, too careful. You know, it's like those atheists that are like, I don't believe in God, but then they look up and they're just like, right? <laughs> like, I mean, I love you, God. Just kidding. <laughs> like I like like there's like, so many of my friends are like, I don't believe in God, but I also don't kill people, just in case. Mm. You know. Just in case there is some sort of judgment at the end of time. Um, but yeah. How have you been? I feel like I haven't seen you in like five years. It's been a while. I mean, I think we, we saw each other at Kevin Seaman's show. Right. And then before that, saw you at your show. That was, Kevin Seaman's show was so good. Yeah. There's someone else who is younger than me, but I want to grow mm-hmm. up to be like, because he's so smart and knows mm-hmm. exactly what he's, I feel like he's one of those artists uh, that always has a plan and a strategy mm. and it's like smart and a very it's a very lovable plan and strategy mm-hmm. and like has backup plans and wow. i want to learn how to do that because the way i make art is i basically you know throw myself through a glass window and just uh, hope i only get three scratches mm. <laughs> hope i don't you know get a glass to the juggler but i usually make it through you know people like kevin look really good as they're opening the glass door mm. to get to what they want. I literally just like run and go, I hope this works. And I just like crash <laughs> through the door, the glass door. And, you know, I'm covered with scars from stuff like that. But I feel like my, the way I make art is just so like, well, I like this. I want to do it. I hope this works. There's people telling me I shouldn't do this. I feel like a lot of queers and people of color, especially immigrants, are told no, um, or people my age. I feel like mm. it's so interesting to hear how people are like, yeah, in my theater department, they make sure that there is, you know, uh, racially diverse content, and we're studying playwrights of other cultures. Mm. My theater department, it was like, you're going to either learn to do Shakespeare or quit, or uh, hopefully oh. you'll figure out how to play these white characters. And if you complain, oh. you are hard to work with and we're not casting you. How about you shut the fuck up and get back to work? Like That's... that was like my generation's 
theater, you know, experience. And that reminds me of uh, Hollywood a little bit. Oh, try, yes. <laughs> just a little bit. Yes, I mean that As was in a I lot. Mean, they did a good job at like uh, teaching me how most of the world was gonna be. Work, yeah. Like me and the other fat actors that didn't really fit any shapes would be like, okay. Well, you know, you love the skinny blonde guy who is going to be able to play Biff and all the other male characters in, you know, Death of a Salesman. And yes, he's really handsome and very cute and very attractive. But could you like maybe spend five minutes with the rest of us? We're mm -hmm. paying the exact same amount of money he yeah. is for this theater department, um, you know, and I mean, not to that guy, you know, was also just like really talented. So we couldn't even be that mad at him. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, that was like a glimpse of what, you know. And I had to like, you know, and I like was vocal about certain things, but I also wanted to survive and wanted to work. So yeah. like, you know, I did what I could. <sighs> yeah, took the parts that I could back when I was uh, when I was an actor. By the way, I used to be an actor, and now I'm not. And I stopped back in. You know how recently all the people are doing the like, this is me in 2009. Yeah. This is me 2019. Yep. Um, I was looking for even pictures of myself in 2009 and I could barely find any. And it's because I was going through a really difficult transition. It was a, a moment of a lot of like turmoil in my life because I live my life a certain way. Excuse me. I'm very burpy today. I live, I had lived my life a certain way and I, uh, was literally going to the gym every day, waking up and doing yoga and I was convinced and that every fiber of my being, I was like, I'm going to be an actor. Mm -hmm. And then 2009 came and I was like, oh, oh, my God, I'm so bored. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the boredom led to depression and the depression led to like bad choices. And then I just was like, oh, wow, I really hate this. And it wasn't. Uh, I mean, part of it had to do with the theater scene here back in the day, mm. um, but I still did pretty well. Like uh, I was really bitter about it at the time, but some of my actor friends that are still acting will look at my resume and be like, oh, wow, you did a lot of cool stuff before you quit. And I was like, yes, yes, I did. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's why I didn't have any pictures, because I was transitioning from being a full-time actor to trying to find out what I wanted to do. And um, one thing that helped was I was really depressed one night, and I was on my way to the castro to get, you know, blind, drunk, and, you know, deal with my sad Aquarius feelings that mm. way. And then I, I walked by the GLBT museum and saw mm. the $3 bill cafe. And I just looked into the window because it was full of people. And they all looked like people I wanted to hang out with. It wasn't a room full of skinny actors or a room full of skinny gays that all hate each other and watch mm. too much queer as folk because that's how old I am. Um, it was all types of people. Mm -hmm. It was like big men, fat women, people of color. And I was like, what's going on in there? Why do they look so happy? So I walked in and I was like, hi, what's all that over there? And the person at the front desk was like, oh, that's the queer open mic. Mm. It happens every two weeks. And I was like, why do they look so happy? <laughs> why don't they all look like they hate each other and super competitive? And, yeah. um, and so I sat down and like listened. And then I was like, oh, I'm a writer. Because like all my life, whether I've been an actor or performer or, or artist, visual artist, because I also do visual art. I've always been like a secret writer, mm -hmm. you know, because like every sad gay boy writes poems to the boys that you can't kiss in the 90s after listening to too much Tony, you know, uh, uh, too much uh, Tori Amos. Um, and so two weeks later, I came back and read a poem and everybody liked it. And I was like, 
oh, this is what I want to do for a while. And that's kind of how I started onto the path of, uh, into that weird transition, transformation. Um, I learned that I need to have fun. Mm. Sometimes acting was just not fun. Yeah. Uh, a yeah. lot of times you're stuck yeah. in a play. Who wrote this play? Why do we still like this play? Yeah. Why do nothing but bad, terrible things happen to women in this play? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you yeah. Know, it was just like, uh, and also you can't say anything. The director tells you what to do. Like actors get treated act. I'm not like trying to shit on acting. Acting is an incredible art form. But it's really hard. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I stopped. Mm -hmm. It is one of the hardest. And I've, to this, at this point in my life, I've tried to do it all. Yeah. Not very successfully. Because, you know, I'm still poor and I still live in San Francisco and I don't have a living room. But I've been a stand-up comedian. I've been a performance artist. I've been a storyteller. I've won storytelling competitions. And I've won poetry competitions. I've been a slam poet. And out of all of those, I think the hardest that I still do is stand-up comedy. Like, poetry's hard. It's pretty hard. Stand-up comedy is harder. Well, for me, it's also scarier. But none of those are as hard as acting, hmm. like in a full production. Yeah. You have to learn your lines. You have to know where you're standing. You have to know the other people's lines. Yeah. You have to know which secret pocket you have is going to have the gun that's going to shoot the person. Yeah. And you have to do it right when the light cue is happening and you have to face it. It's just... Yeah, all the choreography behind oh, it, too. Oh, and the choreography. Yeah. And I just am like, oh, wow, acting is so hard. And then at the end, it's not even your... I mean, it is, but it isn't. Yeah. And so I decided in 2009 to only do projects that I had fun in or I had a deep interest in and that I write. Mm -hmm. That was my role. I have to write it. I have to be able to perform it. And so that is kind of how uh, I got to where I am today, <laughs> you know, like doing a solo show yeah. in December that hopefully is going to mix all of those into one uh performance um that's gonna you know with all my powers combined you know i'm gonna turn into a you know chubby captain planet and do a solo show for everyone you know in december yeah i mean the production that i saw a few weeks ago or a month it was about a month ago oh you saw tiny baruch yeah yeah tiny baruch thank yeah. you so much for coming that by was the way really and i'm not you. just saying like <laughs> That was so fucking good. It was like Thank heartfelt you. and it was funny and it was poignant. And then it also as someone who happens to be like trans and like Jewish, like it also, it, I don't want to like spoil too much. <laughs> it just like was so, it was like healing in a lot of ways. Thank you. And it was just like, I don't, I don't even have the right words for it, but just, I have the feelings and it's hard to convey the feelings sometimes. I think when, when one sees art or witnesses art mm -hmm. and just beautiful on, on so many, so many different elements. I have a difficult time. Like <laughs> I love art and I love artists and I love talking about it. And at the same time, I feel like, at least like language that I'm, it's so difficult to oh, yeah. either describe, like, especially at feelings. It's just, Oh yeah. Oh, it's one of the hardest yeah. things about being an artist. When I also organize shows and when people send me their bios, the first, if they're new artists, their first line is, it's hard for me to talk about art and it's hard for me to talk about myself. Yes. And I totally feel them. Yeah. The first time I tried to write my own bio, I was like, Baruch likes martinis and he's here to show you a good time. And he writes poetry that, oh my God, I want to do it. was yeah. so hard. Um, but that show was, was real. Thank you for coming to tiny Baruch. Um, the, that one, it's really interesting how many people have told me that that was a very healing show for them because the reason I even, started doing tiny brook is because 
I was having a really hard time and I felt disconnected from my writing. And so mm. I started doodling. I had a terrible day. I doodled about it just kind of to get my mind off things. Yeah. I, um, art and drawing really turns my brain off, I feel, and mm. are, are certain parts of my brain. Mm -hmm. The parts of my brain that are like, you have to do all of this, you have to survive, you have to like deal with this uh, stressful thing. And I'm, I'm a very like problem solver kind of person. And if I can't, it bugs the shit out of me. Like back before we had cell phones, one of my old, old friends is like, yeah, I knew right away that I would have to talk to you about something. Otherwise, you would come to my house at like 7 p.m. Mm. And not like looking for a fight, but I would like knock, knock, knock. Hi, we're friends. I need us to fix this now. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people found that very jarring. Also, this was back in the day when I feel like, you know, technology and social media has changed us so much. I feel like back in the day when I was like, you know, 19, 18 to 22, your friends kind of all lived near you. Yeah. Because you just became friends with people who lived in New York, so you could just walk to their houses. Mm -hmm. You know, you weren't Facebook friends with some woman you met at a party who now lives in Sweden. You know, like, yeah. Because why the hell would you be friends with someone like that? Right. Um, back in the day, and so I literally remember being able to just walk to my friends' houses. Yeah. Or drive. You know, back when everybody had um, cars before, uh, before I lived here. Anywho, um, so it, if I if I can't fix it. It still bugs me, and then I get insomnia, and so I start to doodle. Yeah. And so that's how Tiny Baruch kind of was born. Something was bugging me. I was waiting for a sandwich or sitting in a coffee shop, mm -hmm. and I would just do this little drawing of myself saying something funny or complaining about something. or um, And also it was after you know I, I broke up with my partner of eight years, so it was also dealing with a lot of that angst mm -hmm. or fear of going back into the gay dating world which is a nightmare <sighs> i don't recommend it but also i feel like what i try to tell people is like yeah dating is a nightmare but when has it never been a nightmare yeah I, there's literally cavemen back in the ancient times who were like oh no must find another cave partner this yeah. is the worst <laughs> you know? like, yeah the 1920s i'm sure there was some you know, young guy going like, why is finding a, a, partner, a dance partner the worst? Like, it's just, it's always going to suck. And so, um, so yeah, so I started doing Tiny Brook and like people, I was very surprised how, how much people loved it. Yeah. To this day, I'm still shocked that I was able to do two solo shows about my mm. doodles. Um, but also it helped me deal with some like heavy shit. Cause sometimes, um, you you have something that affects you greatly, but you don't have the time to write a whole play about it. Mm -hmm. You don't have the time to write a whole song or a whole yep. stand-up routine. Yep. But you do have five little pages and a pen. Yeah. For and that's why it's called Tiny Baruch because I literally only do them in these little notebooks mm -hmm. uh, that I carry around with me. Um, I have I don't have on 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 me recently. I mean, I do have one of them, but I've been working on my solo show which is not about Tiny Baruch, unfortunately. Um, so I hope people aren't surprised. Sometimes people get confused. One guy came to Tiny Baruch, the uh -huh. first one, and was like, that wasn't a poetry show at all. Oh. What kind of stand-up spoken word artist are you? And I was like, oh, I am a spoken word artist. And yeah. he was like, the last time I saw you, you were at the Berkeley Slam. And I said, well, that was in 2011, but thank you for coming. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> I was like, I still do poetry. Buy my poetry book. Yeah. And he was just so confused. He was like, I thought this was going to be a poetry show. Why did you just talk about your drawings? 
and I was like, because that's what that's what it is. That's what, yeah. <laughs> that's what the show was like. So I hope people don't come to love in the time of piñatas, hoping for tiny Baruch and see this completely different. I mean, it's not going to be that different because it's literally about me, just not with my drawings. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, a lot of people, you know, when something terrible happens, you you know, you don't have the time to do a whole big art piece about it but i can write about it in five little you know pieces of paper and put it on instagram and then it's it's not a way of letting it go but it's a way of feeling like i have this negative energy inside of me i've done something with my fingers and now i can at least move on and brush my teeth instead of like laying down on the floor and being depressed about it for two days which sometimes can happen and if that happens that's okay just pick yourself up you know yeah (laughs) like um but that's kind of what what i wanted to do with that show and what i hope to keep doing yeah. With Tiny Baruch. I don't want to, you know, J-Lo it. I don't want to do so much Tiny Baruch that people get tired of him. I, f- I, I feel like the comic book artists that I admire, they've gone through that a lot. Like, I love Adam Ellis. Like, deep love. But the internet sometimes just does nothing but shit on him. And I'm like, why are people so mad at Adam Ellis? He's brilliant. And then my friend was like, when you get too popular, people love to hate you. Same thing with Shen comics or uh, Owl Turd. These are people that I, they're giants in the literary, sorry, um, internet comic book world mm-hmm. and uh, like giants, like, you know, millions and millions of followers uh, and deals and, you know, contracts. Um, I mean, I would hope for Tiny Baruch to get like that, but I don't want him to get so popular that someone like, I'm okay if people roll their eyes at me. I've been performing you know, 2009 was when I decided to, when I was an actor, it was like, okay, it's a job. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I was, it was pounded into my brain that it was a job and that I had to do it full time. And if you weren't getting cast left and right, you were a failure. But even the people that I knew who were getting cast left and right, I was like, wait, you live with your aunt mm-hmm. and you're on your sister's couch and you have a husband who's a doctor. How yeah. are any of you doing this? How, why are you all saying you do this full time and it's your profession when it's really not how you're paying all of your bills. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were, though. Like, you know, one out of a thousand. Yeah, you know? yeah. Also, I don't know everything about, you know, I was only one me, so I don't want to get tweets from actors who were making a living just from acting back in 2007 telling me to fuck off. Sorry I never met you, bro. You know, <laughs> like, um, uh, but anywho, uh, and this is specifically in the Bay Area. So if you were making money as an actor in Minneapolis in 2007, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> like There wasn't that much work here. Uh, and if there was, not for fat Mexicans. So, um, so, so yeah, uh, I decided to try to go at it like full blast, like with every fiber of my being to the point where um, some other younger uh, writer was like, I feel like everywhere I go, I hear about you or someone talks about you. Mm-hmm. And then I tell them, it's all lies. I'm not that much of a slut. Just half of a slut. Whoever said they slept with me, if they're not that cute, maybe I did it. If they're hot, of course I did it. Of course, he's not lying. I fucked him. Um, but the guy was like, no, no, no. I feel like I hear either about an art project you yeah. did or a show you hosted or a show you used to host. How do I get there? Yeah. This like, younger artist was like, how do I get to the point where... Everyone's talking about me. Um, and I was like, well, I don't know how to do that. I, I don't know how to tell you to do that now mm-hmm. because I'm still trying to figure that out myself just like in a higher level. Like I would love to want to get to Marga, Marga Gomez, mm. um, you know, level or to someone even, you know, 
I would love to get to, I mean, you know, higher levels. Everyone's always trying to better themselves. Yeah. Um, uh, or get like some fucking bestsellers in there. I'd love to be a Charlie Jane Anders someday. That would be amazing because mm-hmm. she is killing it and is a San Francisco, you know, darling favorite. Love her so much. Anywho, uh, but what I did tell this young writer was that I, when I was in 2009, I decided that no matter what I was doing every night, I was going to focus it on my art, mm. whether that was, and I was going to be somewhere. I was never going to be home. Oh, okay. Now that I'm old and fat, I love being home. Mm. But when I was younger and had the energy and yeah. had the hunger to be a writer and a yeah. performer, I said to myself, I am never just going to be home. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be either at an open mic, mm-hmm. whether it's comedy or poetry mm-hmm. or a poetry slam um, or some sort of event. Yeah. And if I'm not performing, I'm going to be watching and learning and being a part of that community. Yes. And so in 2009, that's what I told myself to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was exhausting. Yeah. But also I was really lucky to live in a city where you can walk to all of yeah. these places or just hop on Muni or BART. Um, so I was always at an event and eventually the host will see you that you're there every week or yeah. every month. And he'll be like, who are you? And you can tell them, hi, I love your show. I'm also a performer. Mm-hmm. If you want to book me someday, uh, please do. Yeah. And that's how eventually I started getting booked in places or people started learning who I was. I'm also really tall. So that helps, you know, <laughs> as much as I try to blend into a room, people notice as, you know, six foot three, 350 pound Mexican, um, you know, standing in the back smiling or clapping really loud. Um, I also really love it. I feel like that's helped. A lot. I know a lot of writers who, and it's fine. There's some stuff that I can't do, like, like burner art. One of my friends, deep close friend, is like, "Do you want to come with me to the show to watch white people juggle?" No, no, no I don't. <laughs> but they're gonna be really hot. They all have abs. I know because acrobats spend all day working out. But I mean, they're not gonna take their clothes off. I can't <laughs> masturbate to them. There's no story behind it. I fall asleep, and that's not their fault. It's my fault. Uh, but I, but you know, but I have a lot of writer friends that are like, I can't go to another poetry show with you. I can't go to a novel writer's book release to listen to them read their novel excerpt very slowly and boringly. I'll fall asleep. Mm. And that is completely okay. Mm -hmm. But I love that shit. Even if it's a bad poetry show, I love it because we're in a weird little golden era. There's been decades and decades where people did not give a fuck about poetry. Yeah. And if you try to get someone to go to a poetry show with you, they would look at you like, like you were asking them to like shave their balls. <laughs> like, you know? So to me, the fact that there's, we live in a city where that's a wonderful, beautiful problem to have. Like I literally had a friend last week, not last week. It was like, you know, two months ago. It was like, Oh, I have a friend who's doing a poetry show the same night as another friend's book release, the mm. same night as this open mic I yes. really love to go to, and I know what, I don't know which one to go to. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's so great. Try to try for all three. I don't know. You know, I just thought so. I loved it. So every night I was going somewhere, trying to tell people who I was, trying to do an open mic or do a comedy open mic or read my poem somewhere mm-hmm. to the point where I got a little crazy. My mother was like, what, where are you? She called me one day and I was like, Oh, I'm in Marin. There was a, a poetry open mic in San Rafael or somewhere in Marin yeah. that I took a bus to yeah. go to just to read for five minutes. Mm-hmm. It was the dumbest thing I've ever done, but I made friends along the way. I met people while I was there. They never booked me for a feature. I don't even think it's happening anymore, mm-hmm. but that's how hungry I was yeah. to, 
share my work. Yeah. And the other day, a friend of mine was making fun of a a poet comedian who went all the way to San Jose just to share his poetry for five minutes and mm -hmm. do a comedy open mic. And I was like, fuck you. What the fuck are you doing with your life? It's his choice. He's yeah. not making anybody drive him there. He drove himself there. He's making hopefully some friends in San Jose. What what else is he going to do? Just sit in a bar getting drunk and yeah. then, you know, like go home and diddle himself. <laughs> like, you know, he's, at least he's getting out there and doing stuff. Right. Uh, now I'm like, I, I do like, uh, I feel like I'm so new to the comedy world and nameless that I, that's my next step. Mm -hmm. I've been doing open mics, comedy open mics for a while, but not enough. Mm -hmm. Definitely not enough. So as soon as, um, you know, uh, recently I've been, you know, having a small little wrestling match with cancer. As soon as I get the green light that, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting for that cancer free mm -hmm. diagnosis or the, I don't know what the official way to say it is. As soon as that happens in the new year, I'm going to just try to go to as many comedy open mics as I can. Um, cause that's another, I feel art form that you can't just sit at home, you know, trying to, you know, make it better. You have to do it in front of people. Yeah. If they like get your practice in. Right. And also hear what other folks are doing too. Oh yeah. And that's a tough one. Cause like I have written several jokes that I thought I was a genius, yep. but no, I just watched the same, you know, content that other people watch. And then mm -hmm. I'll go to an open mic and I'm like, I just wrote that joke, but there's no way that they could have heard that. Mm -hmm. It's just, we both had the same thought, Yeah, you know? Um, but yeah, I do love stand up comedy. I want to keep doing it. I've had some really cool, gigs and i've been part of great features uh in january i'm doing sf sketch fest again oh yeah yeah excuse me very burpy today uh very happy i got in because i've always been a huge fan of sf sketch fest mm -hmm. and i'm gonna do a show called on the comedy at cafe du nord mm -hmm. january one of the january <laughs> so, so i have the date right here hold on yeah. i'm just gonna pull out my little calendar january 17th okay i'm doing done the stummy comedy at cafe du nord with a whole bunch of other latino comedians um so that's gonna be fun but yeah comedy so solo shows poetry stuff um yeah doing all that stuff but also i have a day job so it's like that's why i always look so tired <sighs> well, and that's why sometimes i start rambling <laughs> without stopping well there's yeah a lot going on certainly mm -hmm. yeah 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 but it's fun yeah. all of it sort sort of is fun yeah yeah i mean also by you know working within community too that in itself is is a lot i'd imagine yeah it's incredibly exhausting but very i feel rewarding yeah. every time i've questioned it the community does something amazing or beautiful that reminds me why so many of us do organize mm. uh uh you know shows or community stuff yeah um yeah because sometimes it can get very tiring yeah and when i see young organizers or not you know age young but like even people my age that decide to start a show or start an organization um only if they ask for help i don't give unsolicited advice i feel like i don't have time um, also people can just be like, why the, you know, nobody fucking asked you, but people do sometimes ask me for advice and I tell them Tara Hardy is this incredible queer writer who is a legend, is a legend in the slam world. She lives in Seattle, I believe. 
uh, one of my heroes. Um, she started an entire um, center for queer writers in Seattle. Oh, and cool. Called Bent. She's the founder of Bent. I don't know if Bent is still going. It was a huge nonprofit. I never saw it. I just heard of it everywhere I went. Um, so she did a couple of workshops here. Um, I oh, I did a show with her in D.C. back in 2010, the mm. first ever queer poetry slam oh. uh, contest. It was like a huge national slam. Mm -hmm. uh, it was called Capturing Fire. It was founded by Reggie Kabiko. She was one of the features, and I wanted was one of the it was my first ever big gig. I was like flown there, had a place to stay. Um, anywho, you know, she was in San Francisco, and she saw the stuff I was doing at the time. I was um, like the host and artistic director for Vetted Word and the San Francisco Queer Up and Mike, and I was mm -hmm. doing all these other shows and organizing all these other. I think I was doing my first ever poetry festival with guy writers uh, was called um, my first love. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she saw all of that and just pulled me aside and was like, hi, I think what you're doing is amazing. I also want to remind you. And also I was with Ta Tatiana Brown, who was running uh, the lit slam. And I think Sam Sachs was also there. He was running the new shit show at Viracocha mm -hmm. back in the day. She was like, I don't want you guys to get burned out. I don't want you guys to forget that you matter the most. Your bodies and your minds should come first. The community is important, but you have to put yourselves first. Mm -hmm. And you can't let the community drain the life out of you. She yeah. kind of said it a little bit as a secret. You know, you yeah. can't be um, uh, when you're at the show, when you're at the show. Yes. No one's more important than the show when you're on stage. Mm -hmm. But once the show is done, you should come first. Yeah. And uh, you should take care of yourselves first and your mental health. Because uh, eventually, you know, you don't want to burn out. You don't want to explode. And she was like, I've seen organizers and hosts eventually not just explode, but like tell the community to fuck off or cancel mm. shows or, you know, she wasn't naming names. Um, but I've certainly seen it happen. Uh, so that was great. And so that's yeah. what I tell some of the younger organizers that yes the community is very very important and it's good to do your time yeah. i ran the queer up and mic for seven yeah, years yeah i was gonna bring that up I and mean, that, that was, was you know I that was, was a fun show so grateful for that i think that's how we met is that yeah. how we met Yay. yes <laughs> yeah i was talking to jesus you better work uh, oh last jesus. week and i said we both did a comedy show jesus and i at omg and jesus mentioned the queer open mic and <laughs> i i mean it was just really the, the space that you and Blythe provided was just so warm and welcoming and encouraging and felt like supportive. Thank you. And also it was that where it was just, yeah, yeah I felt really touched by the performers that you had there. To me often it felt like, sometimes it felt like church. Yeah. It felt like, oh, this is what probably church was supposed to feel like or is to some people yeah. who are really because yeah. i i would leave just i would especially the last couple of years mm -hmm. when everything you know was changing in san francisco yes. and all our political parties were changing and like it was so weird to go to a show drained and have everybody walk through the doors just these exhausted, traumatized queers mm -hmm. who were all either fearing of getting pushed out of their homes yeah. or had already been pushed out of their homes. I, we had, Blythe and I had so many people who were like, oh, I had to move to Pinal or to 
you know, the outskirts of Walnut Creek, but mm-hmm. I still somehow made it to yeah. this show because it was important for me to be around queer people. Yeah. Um, and then leave rejuvenated. Yes. Because we had heard each other's stories with just a very slim structure. And everyone, even if you were a professional or a newbie, had had the five minutes to say what they had to say. Yes. And to hear other voices like theirs. Mm-hmm. And and either laugh or cry or hear someone struggle through trauma or hear someone's sexy story mm-hmm. or hear someone's like, you know, breakup piece. And I just feel like that show in just, you know, two hours could make you laugh, cry, <laughs> like pee your pants, maybe get mad at someone, yep. make up with someone. Yeah. And then um, and then leave. everybody seemed to leave happy. And I'm not saying it was never rough. We had several rough nights. That show taught me how to navigate really difficult situations Mm. and that uh, you have to be aware of everyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, before that, I had come from the theater world where it was just like, you know, fuck everyone. (laughs) Nothing matters but the play, you know, and the people who are paying for the seats. Um, But that show reminded me that like everybody's backstory Every butt in the seat matters. Mm-hmm. Where they come from matters. Yeah. Um, because that show wasn't about the main event. It was about the experience, yes. I feel. Yeah. Um, and that was my experience before I took it over. Mm-hmm. It made me feel, you know, a part of something. And it also made me feel like I could, uh, through the through the listening, I remember Sarah Dopp. The first hosts I encountered were Sarah Dopp and Molina Williams, mm-hmm. two incredible people. Um, Molina Williams also came from the theater world, so mm-hmm. it was so nice to see her as another <laughs> refugee who was like me, really, you know, bigger bodied, fat positive, you know, not white, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, was told she was too big, too fat, too loud for the theater world mm-hmm. more because, you know, all of that stuff. It's hard being, you know, whatever, a queer you know fat queer man but i know it's a hundred times harder for for black women for Mm -hmm. queer black women Mm -hmm. so it was nice to see her as a fellow refugee from the theater world you know running the queer open mic um yeah it was just such a welcoming and i tried to continue that um it taught me how to welcome people into a space yeah like i feel like it got me ready for the job i have now which is community events manager at strut Mm uh which acts like a community center even though technically we're not we're a Mm -hmm. sexual health clinic Mm -hmm. run through the san francisco aids foundation but all the shows we do there and all the stuff that i'm in charge of of leading there a lot of that stuff i learned uh a lot of the skills i used to make that happen Mm -hmm. i learned at the queer open mic and i also feel like it taught me to always have an open mind for new things because literally every month me and sarah dob or me and blythe baldwin were learning new things yeah to the point where we were like what that's now what you can't say that anymore <laughs> and instead of acting like a normal gen xer and going like well that's lame i learned to you know be like oh well i want to hear where you're coming from i want to un- i like that you're here i like i actually would love to be your friend so i want to hear why you're mad i want to hear <laughs> what we can do to make it better. And the more I learned to listen to other people's, yeah. you know, where they were coming from, the more I learned about myself really in the world. It was a really, you know, great experience. Cause it was no one's, you know how we love, we love to say that it's no one's responsibility to educate you. Um, but I always, when I hear young queers say that to other people, I'm just like, sure. Yes. After you very angrily yelled at this person, they're going to go right to the library 
rent out all the books and educate themselves about where you're coming from. Um, no, most people aren't going to do that. They should. They definitely should. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the queer open mic taught me um, that even though that's not going to happen, if you meet people halfway, a lot of people do change. Because I saw that happening at the show. People would show up angry about something. Mm-hmm. They would meet other people that they hated. But because everybody got five minutes to say their piece, mm-hmm. eventually I saw people uh, becoming friends if they changed. Mm. Blythe and I were very strict about people who weren't willing to change. Oh. We always gave people two, not three, two strikes. <laughs> like, hey, we're addressing a problem. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know, cool. Now you know. Here's oh. how we need you to change. And we had a lot of queers that were like, you're right, I, I didn't know. And I am going to change. And if mm-hmm. we saw change, we're welcome here every month. Yeah. Well, if you get better, we'll feature you even. I'll recommend you for other gigs. But there were several mostly gay cis men hmm. several folks who were like oh. no i'm not gonna change no i'm not gonna get people's pronouns right no oh, oh yeah like gross and so <laughs> blood and i had several and sarah dobb had several times that we had to like tell people they couldn't come back until they changed and it was the yeah. weirdest thing to you know who the fuck do you think you are no one i am no one also this show is no one you're really that mad you can't come back to an open mic that's free there is <laughs> back then there was hundreds of other open mics sure. in the city that they could go to yeah i mean i didn't want to send the problem to another fellow open mic but i would be like look buddy there is a calendar on the internet that you can go to yeah you can go to any other literary open mic to share your terrible poetry <laughs> But if you're not going to be respectful to queer people and to your fellow queer people and yeah. to women, yeah. then you can't, you know, come back here. And a lot of folks didn't come back. Mm. And I hope they don't still hate me. And if they do, oh, well, fuck off. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just that was a great part of my my life. And sometimes I am sad it's over. I, I definitely still get people coming up to me to talk to me about it. At Strut, yeah. uh, we had a... Uh, night it was uh celebrating border angels mm. it was a collaboration with color block this organization that uh, focuses on queer people of color mm-hmm. they do performances and panel discussions we collaborate with them at strut sometimes and uh this young baby queer came up to me and was like you don't remember me but i used to go to the queer open mic Aww. and it was the first place i'd ever been around people like me and it was the first place i'd ever heard anything live like about queer people and queer lives and wow i just wanted to say thank you and i was like oh that thank you inside i was like weeping you know yeah. <laughs> inside i was like oh my god but i was like thank you for telling me that thanks for being here you know i hope you come to other strut events and they were like when is it gonna come back and i was like you know it's gonna come back when you bring it back mm-hmm. you know i a lot of folks cried and were angry that blythe and i couldn't do it anymore but you know blythe and i are older now we just went to see a show together we were just laughing about all the... We're not even that old. We're not 40 yet. But she was like, oh, I got this thing, and I got this neck pain, mm. and this thing. And I was like, well, my knees don't work, and I don't have a thyroid anymore. Because, you know, like, uh, and I, I'm on all this medication. And mm. and she was like, we're acting like we're old. And I was like, because we're kind of, we're getting there. All my friends that are over 60 are going to slap me when they hear me <laughs> complaining about being old at 38. Yes. But, um, but, yeah, we were like, we kind of moved on. We've... It just it takes a someone with a very strong, like, young back to run a monthly show. I don't know how some of these people that do weekly shows do it. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I told all the young queers like, you can bring it back 
yourself you can start your own show i just uh hung out with a bunch of beautiful young queer babies at, at lyric in oh the yeah. Castro. yeah lyric is fantastic i love the work that they do i went there to talk about being uh, a writer and a performer and about Aww. loving the time of being at this um but one of them raised her hand and she was like i feel like some of the open mics i go to still they just they're not laying they're not the uh, environment i feel like I want to be at. Yes. And me and Natalia Vigil, who started still here, we were like, that's the best part about San Francisco. You can make that happen. Mm-hmm. Queers have been creating their own scenes yes. since forever. Yes. <laughs> since there have been queers. Yeah, I think that's to. one of the magical things about being a queer person. Yeah. You have the magical power to recreate reality almost. Yes. You know, I mean, that's how so many scenes have been happening. Marginalized people weren't allowed to be somewhere. So they were like, fine, I want to make this place over here even more amazing for mm-hmm. me. So we told these queer babies, you can start your own show. Yeah. You can start your own open mic. You can start your own weekly salon. And Natalia yes. was like, you don't even have to do it for the public. Pick three friends you love to share content with. Mm-hmm. Pick three artists that you love to collaborate with. Yeah. Invite them to someone's living room. And just perform for each other. Mm. I used to, and I told her too, I was like, oh, that was one of my favorite parts of being young back before people had living rooms. I feel like no one I know now has living rooms because we've all started renting them out to survive here. Um, but yeah, just having like salons. I used to have them all the time when I lived in in the Mission and we had mm. a big living room. I would just invite a bunch of my friends and be like, you can come. The only rule is you have to bring something to eat and you have to bring something to share. And everybody mm. either had to sing a song or read a poem, hmm. uh, you know, everybody had a time limit because we didn't want to sit through someone's like 40 minute reading from their novel, um, unless that was the point. But that's what we told these young queer babies to to do. Hmm. And we're like, you have the power, make it happen. Yeah. Create your own event, your own space, create your open mic for the people that you want to connect with. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is due to the spaces changing over and how, like, since modern times had to close and yeah. like Galleria de la Raza and like so many other spaces, yeah. as well as how not only just housing, but like the small theaters and independently oh, yeah. and bookstores. So I, I feel like part of that does feel like more of a, an additional challenge in terms of the next yes. generation starting place, you know, new shows. And I do wonder if modern times was still around how long you know mm-hmm. if you know you and Blythe might have tapped out for a moment and gotten yeah. folks to or you know to take over we definitely tried to have folks take over there was two yeah. folks that wanted the name queer up and mike but they wanted to drastically change the structure oh and so we we well we politely said no to them but we were yeah. like also you can still do it yeah <laughs> we were like yeah. we don't own the name was such a generic name, yes. you know, there wasn't an actual name tied to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, like I, I remember a very young queer came four or three years before we stopped and they were like, I want to be your new, cause I used to call Blythe my intern <laughs> when Blythe showed up, mm-hmm. Sarah Dopp and I were running it and she wanted to be a part of it. And Sarah Dopp and I were like, we actually were doing okay with two hosts and Blythe was like, well, can I just be your intern then? I want to help make this happen. I want to make oh, cool. Blythe was like, this is very important to me that this keeps happening yes. and keeps is where very well supported. It was so funny. She was young. She was like, I want to be part, I want to be part of the slam scene and I want to, I want to be part of something very queer too. Uh, what do you guys need? Water? <laughs> like she would bring us bottles of water 
she was like our little groupie um and so we called her our intern for the longest time and then finally sarah dop was like oh i'm exhausted and yeah. Blythe seems like she has all the energy so yes. <laughs> sarah dop retired and mm. Blythe came on and so we had a young queer who wanted to do the exact same oh, thing okay. but they were like uh we should either ban men or ban uh cis people <laughs> With very good intentions. Oh, very yeah. Very good intentions. I'm, I'm, yeah. And I was like, ah. Uh... And my only, and I was trying to have an open mind and hear them out. And yeah. I said, you know, yes, I, I'm, I'm down for that if it's like a curated show. Sure. Or if it's like, you know, I, you know, let's focus on just trans people for a year in the features or yeah. people of color. Yeah. But banning them from entering the space, that seems really harsh because I know people in the community who wouldn't be who they are if they we had banned them from entering the space. Yeah. There was at the time two artists who when the first time they came into the community, they thought they were someone else because mm -hmm. they weren't allowed to be in a space that let them be who they really were. Yes. And so they walked into the queer open mic, they saw people like them yes. but farther in their journey. Sure. Doing poetry or comedy and they were like, Oh holy shit, that's this isn't who I am. Yes. That's who I am. And if we hadn't let them into the space, they wouldn't have had mm. that experience, I feel. Yeah. You know? Um, so, so yeah, it was really funny how many young queers were like, I'm going to take your show, but I'm going to change it very drastically. And me, I had to be like, you, you know, you can just do that without taking the show. And now I'm kind of like, anyone can do it. So if you want to start your own open mic, do it. Call it the queer open mic. Just, you know... You know, I'll even help you. I, I, I can't help you, but I'll help you promote it. I'll <laughs> sure, tell sure. people to go. Yeah. Uh, I just am too busy to, you know, do anything at the moment because uh, I just have so much on my plate. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought we could maybe talk about the show that's happening tomorrow. At, oh, tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. Um, Tomorrow we are doing an amazing uh, show. It's a performance series I helped start at Strut. Strut, if you don't know what Strut is, we are a sexual health and wellness center for the queer community. In the heart of the Castro, it's a building that houses programs that are part of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. Our most popular one is Magnet. It's our um, sexual health clinic. Mm -hmm. We do HIV tests and SDI tests, and now we test everyone. Historically, we were uh, Magnet around the, was around the corner, and they only tested men who have sex with men. Mm -hmm. They started in 2003, and that was something that was really, really important to them back then. But now the queer community as a whole is important to them and to all of us that work there. So we test everyone. Yay. So no matter what, you know, junk you got or how you use it, if you have sex, we will test you. <laughs> and we will uh, even give you free treatment if mm. it turns out you do have any, uh, you know, uh, if you've acquired stuff in your sexual adventures mm. or journeys. Um, and so when I first started working there back in 2015, there wasn't any... Um, regular programming that was connected to trans folks yeah in the um the the aids foundation did have a program called trans life and trans life is still around mm -hmm. and they mostly do operations downtown though at our headquarters okay but in the castro castro there wasn't that much um you know trans stuff happening when we mm -hmm. opened strut at all so i reached out to two good friends of mine fellow writers kay nielsen mm -hmm. and julian Schendelman, and i was like Hey, you too. <laughs> do you have any cool ideas for us to do at Strut? And I had no idea what, you know, I was, I was like, I want to buy you two coffee and have you two. And like, I'll pay you somehow. 
and I want you two to come up with something that you feel your community will enjoy. Mm -hmm. And since they're both writers and artists, they were like, okay, we're going to call it Trans Voices. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a variety show. We're just going to book trans people. The mm -hmm. audience can be whatever they want. And it's going to be a night of performances on that theme. Okay. And I was like, done, let's do it. So since 2015, we've done at least three or four shows a year. It's mm -hmm. like a quarterly show. Um, and yeah, it's been, that's, that's been a journey in of itself. It's a little, um, in, in some ways it's easier cause I'm never on stage. Mm. I complete, I want the night and the building to be taken over mm -hmm. by the folks that are hosting. Cause I'm not trans. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do what I can to support it in the background. So, yeah. but that sometimes is, is harder because depending on who's hosting, it's a completely different show. Yes. And I've had several people host it. Um, Kay was going strong for a while, but then he got another job and then he got busy mm. and then he had other things and he finally left the, I finally got him hired on there because he needed a job. So I got him a, a job there with community engagement mm. and, um, and then he was in the prep program and the positive force. He did a lot while he was there, but now he has left us for mm. the tech industry, but that's fine. Get that money. Mm. Um, and so, and then Julian moved. And so for a while it was like Mia Byrne. Uh, I asked mm -hmm. her to step in as a co-host, a guest host. Yeah. KB Tuffy Voice and her were uh, co-hosting. Mm. And then Kay came back for a while. So, like, I feel like, um, you know, and then a lot of times people are like, Brooke, you just hosted. You're so nice and you're an ally. And I'm like, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I needed to be someone who is really in the community and is living that life it's yeah. just so important especially right now Definitely. um and so the current guest host i've reached out to her because i love her performance uh she's also gorgeous really smart great performer and does a lot for the community it's pearl teese oh yeah do you know pearl teese i do isn't and she amazing i met pearl here at Mutiny Radio, because oh, cool. coming up next at 6 p.m. is House of Pride. Oh, cool. cool. Yeah, Pearl is a co-host. Yes. Yeah. So she's so. fantastic. Uh, so we we brought her on. She is not only uh, uh, she's doing a lot more. So I mm -hmm. told the you know foundation we're paying her a lot more, and they were like yes because they want you know trans voices to thrive. Mm -hmm. So she's not only a guest hosting she's guest curating oh great so i'm helping her you know and that's kind of how i always wanted it to happen but yeah. you know julian and Kay, they were a lot of the times they were busy so they were like here's who we think might be in the show or would be good we're busy can you reach out to them so yeah. they would give me a list of trans artists mm -hmm. for me to reach out to so that was kind of how that worked and then and with pearl uh, it's kind of but she's doing their outreach mm -hmm. she's like i want them to hear from me first yes yes i want them to hear from someone in their community mm -hmm. and i'm like yeah i'll just get you the checks <laughs> you know uh, so it's tomorrow at 7 p.m. Uh, Cutie Pocket Strut is something that we started at Strut about a year ago. Mm -hmm. Me and other, uh, you know, queer people of color and the foundation. Um, and the foundation does a lot. Like, I know everybody loves to shit on the AIDS Foundation, but, you know, they, they're old. They've been around since 1981. Wow. So a lot of, a lot of, they, it's, wow. they have been, in gay years, that is old. Yeah. For our nonprofit to be around that long. Yeah. Um, you know, so, um so you know they have two black programs they have a, a, a trans life program mm -hmm. uh apoyo latina the latina program is huge um but we still thought it wasn't enough especially not in, in the castro yes um, yes so we got together and we started a committee called cutie pocket strut mm -hmm. queer and trans people of color and so we work really hard to make sure there's a lot more people of color and trans focused events happening in the castro at mm. strut and so we 
decided every Thursday we were going to take over. That's great. So every Thursday you can come to Strut from five ish to eight ish. Uh-huh. We will be either doing an informational event mm-hmm. with some form of free snack. That's focused on queer and trans people of color mm-hmm. or a performance event or mm. some sort of workshop, but it's every Thursday. So it's not of this like once a month, yeah, once a semester. Every third. Yeah, it's every it's weekly. Nice. And so it's been very hard because we all have our own jobs already that sure. we do there. Sure. Um, the prep team has been doing most of the push and the work for this initiative. Um, Felipe Flores, who's in charge of all of that, has mm-hmm. just been instrumental in making sure everything happens. And and I have my own job as well, uh, doing other stuff there. So sometimes I can only cover one Thursday. Uh, for example, this month, my project uh, is Trans Voices, which is happening mm-hmm. tomorrow. Yes. At 7 o'clock, uh, Pearl Tease is hosting. We're going to have some free snacks and free wine uh, and free sparkling water if you don't drink. And we're going to have two singers and two spoken word artists. Oh, nice. Uh, the lineup is really great. Uh, it was chosen by Pearl Tease. And Pearl Tease is also going to perform and host. And it's it's like a show, but it's also going to be really chill. Like a lot of folks, it, every time we've done it, it's different. You know, mm-hmm. we had a Halloween kiki ball oh, last uh, month. And that one was huge. It yeah. was an event. But then we had another event that was like a literary event. And it was re- really chill. Yeah, Our events kind of are different every time so yeah. tomorrow i hope will be you know pretty big and even if it's not the entertainment it's going to be fantastic mm. yeah but enough about that that's my day job <laughs> <laughs> right. i want all yeah. of you everyone if you're listening to come to love in the time of piñatas yes. which is my solo show happening in december um it is basically a mix of spoken word and stand-up comedy and performance art to tell the story of love in the time of piñatas, which is basically um, talk about how hard it is to talk about your art and yourself. Mm. It's about um, it's about being. Um, it's a collection of experiences and stories from my life as a fat queer immigrant. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is focused on being an immigrant, mm-hmm. and especially right now. Um, there's so many horrible things being said about immigrants mm-hmm. and there's so many horrible things happening to immigrants. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like people, my generation that grew up here as an immigrant, a lot of what happened to you or a lot of the things that was said to you, you were told to just move on, mm. you know, like when, you know, <laughs> when he said, send them back, uh, <sighs> I love the way people responded to that. I love that people like, there was a giant voice of people in this country who were like, that is not okay. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. It was so meaningful for so many of us because that's not the first time we've heard it. That's mm. not the first time I've heard it. I've been hearing that since I was nine years old. Mm. And every time I heard it, the teachers would kind of shrug and be like, oh, they didn't mean it. <laughs> or like, you know, or they'd be like, well, what did you do? Ugh. What did you do to get your classmate to say that he was going to deport you or that you should go back to your own country? Did you take his lunch or some, you know, like, I feel like so many immigrants have had an ex have had the experience of hearing that Mm -hmm. from sometimes even our coworkers or our fellow classmates. I mean, uh, when I went to Sonoma state, I mean, I grew up in the Bay area, so Mm -hmm. I was pretty lucky to live in a liberal bubble ish. Yeah. Yeah. People still said fucked up things to me left and right. Um, but then I went to Sonoma state where I got to meet racists from other parts of the country. And sometimes I remember meeting people, the first thing out of their mouths was like, oh, why are you in my country? Like, not even like, a, oh, nice to meet you. It was just like, Ew. like I remember one guy in my theater department 
like I had never met him. I'd seen him in a meeting. Yeah. It was like sophomore or junior year. He like walked through a lobby of theater students and he was like, Hey, someone told me that you aren't a citizen. And I was like, no, what, who are you? And he was like, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm a theater major uh, like you. And I was like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. And he was like, I'm just here to let you know you should fucking go back to where you came from. <laughs> and people were like, oh, he's just being funny. He's just joking. You know, it's just, you know, everyone. And it's that you know. fucked up attitude. That's why we're at where we're at right now is people yeah. just like let it slide yeah. and like normalize that. Yeah, yeah. And this was in the theater department full of like weirdly mm. – like straight white boys who all yeah. came from Republican backgrounds. Oh. Um, and, and it was funny cause, and then I think, and it, you know, eventually I had to keep interacting with him and, you know, dealing with him. And, and even I told myself not to, to ignore him and to ignore stuff like that. But I feel like growing up here as an immigrant, you kind of have to, it, it's, I mean, that's why I called the show what it is. It's like being a piñata. It's like everyone's trying to like, hit you with a bat somehow or with their words or with their, you know, fists. everyone's, you know, journey is different. So it's a collection of stories and experiences based on that experience. It starts out with, um, but it also that I feel like that also has to do a lot with being queer. Cause the show starts with my first, uh, my first big birthday party when I was five mm -hmm. and my parents decided to, why not? They kind of were tired. They were so tired of, of trying to stop me from being as sparkly gay as I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, well, okay, he hasn't died so far. They let me have a giant rainbow bright themed birthday party. Mm -hmm. And that's how the solo show begins. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's, uh, at Z below. It's a beautiful yes, little yeah. theater in the mission. It through, uh, Epic party theater company is a brand new theater company. They're pledging. They're not, not pledging. Their mission is to only work on queer stuff and new queer stuff Great. and queer projects that are all about an event. Mm -hmm. So hence the name Epic Party Theater Company. So my show that is about a party, um, you know, because uh, something I say in the show and something I'm starting to tell everyone is like, um, instead of immigrants, maybe we should just call ourselves party crashers because we definitely were not invited, but we're the most interesting part of this <laughs> sad party that is slowly going downhill. Um, but you know, when like a, a party starting to suck and then a party crasher shows up and makes it like so much better. I feel like that's how immigrants are. Cause so many amazing things exist now because of immigrants and because we came to this country to make it better. So yeah, the show is not that long. It's only like an hour long. Um, I have a song in it titled, I'm here to take your jobs. <laughs> and I have two beautiful go-go boys oh. who are going to assist me through the show. Are they the same ones who are at Tiny One Luke? of them is. One of them is the same They're one. both cute. So they're both very be... attractive, and they're going to be wearing nothing but a jock strap. Wow. Um, because mostly because I just spent so many times seeing, wasted so much time seeing plays where boys did not take their clothes yeah. off. Yeah. Um, I mean, what's with that? Yeah. Can we talk about that first? Yeah. <laughs> I was a judge in a playwriting contest at Piano Fight. Mm -hmm. And uh, and each play got to do like five minutes or a scene from a play that wanted to win a production at Piano Fight. And any play that didn't have a guy take his shirt off, I yeah. would be like, 10 points off. <laughs> be like negative, negative 50 what points. What if the plays didn't have any men in it? Oh, then I would be very fair. But uh, but there was one play that a guy took his shirt off, and I was like, 20 points. <laughs> he wins. Winner. And then I told the, I told the audience full of playwrights, like, 
You know, if you're going to make a sit through your straight shit, at least have two of the characters mm-hmm. take their shirts off and make out. Yeah. You know, just for your gay audience. It's only fair. Uh, it's only fair. We are suffering people. Um, but no, I mean, it, it was it was very fun. I love Piano Fight. I love everything they do. Um, but yeah, it's at Z Below mm-hmm. through Epic Party Theater. Tickets, you can find them at the Z Below website. And they're not that expensive. Also, for your listeners, if you guys are trying to save a buck like me, you can use code uh, PINATA10 mm-hmm. to get $10 off. Oh, great. P-I-N-A-T-A-T-E-N, all caps, to get uh, $10 off. And if you come, we're serving donuts at every show because I fucking love donuts. Yeah. I wanted to get you a donut today, and I just didn't. <laughs> oh, that's okay. A... I'm supposed to be taking a break from donuts because I'm okay. on a very strict cancer diet. Okay. <laughs> like, it's like They're just trying to take everything away from me. They're taking away salt. They're taking away, like, dairy. Uh, like, this isn't even coffee. This is tea. Oh. It's so sad. Okay. I can't even have coffee anymore. I've been cheating a lot. How about fruit? <laughs> I can eat fruit. I've got apples and persimmons. Oh, I might steal an apple. Yeah. after this, I'm going to rehearsal yeah. to keep working on loving the time of piñatas so that I can do a really good show for people when you come see the show. Yay. Yay. So, butts. Donuts, Mexican immigrants, the show has everything. And piñatas, we'll have piñatas there. Oh, nice. Um, and I'll also, hopefully, we'll be selling merch and hopefully be selling some Tiny Baruch stuff. Yeah. Um, I really also you know. appreciated that from your, your last performance. Was oh, yeah. able to go home with a Baruch print. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. Nice. I never thought that I would be the kind of person to have merch ever. Even when I bought, when I when I published my books, now available through Sibling Rivalry Press, uh, my two books of poetry, I just didn't even think about it. I was gonna go on tour, and my friend was like, "How many books are you gonna sell on tour?" And I remember thinking, like, because I guess I'm not naturally a capitalist. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm such a like sad Aquarius. I just want people to have love and hug each other. I feel that way too. I'm not an Aquarius, but I also feel right? the same way. It's and also, like, I feel like it's almost antithetical, or in a lot of ways, it's antithetical to art. Where it's like, I want to mm-hmm. make something to make it yeah not to put a yeah. price on it and i also want it yes. to be available to as many people as possible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so however we live in this right. the way things are set up right now it's right weird but also i feel i've learned that people sometimes really do love that i, cer- I certainly do i went to see a performer show a uh, kevin siemens show yes yes i bought a t-shirt right away right, even right. though i'm not rolling in the dough but it was like really well made and it yeah. supports him yeah you know it's that and thing so... where it's like i'd much rather support like my friends and <laughs> artists around the world as opposed to a, a company or a corporation right 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 and especially like people see me wearing my kevin seaman lol mcpherson shirt and they're like what is that oh you don't know lol you're not cool like me this is amazing you should join join our fan club um but yeah, it's weird having merch now. I mean, especially at my tiny Baruch show yeah. afterwards when I was signing books and my friend who runs Muni Diaries, who it's an amazing show you should all go oh, to. Okay. She, someone walked up to her and she was like, hi, would you like a print, a book of poetry or a t-shirt? <laughs> and I looked at her like, oh God, that just hurt my insides. And she was like, what? Why? I was like, I just... I don't know. I just feel so dirty. <laughs> you know, like the, the socialist, the socialist, like anti-capitalist in me was like, Oh, Oh God. Oh. And she was like, you have a lot of cancer bills. You should just let people buy your fucking merch. And I was like, uh, you're right. You want all three. You care. You, you want a, you want a, a print, a poster, a postcard. You want a book, get it all. You know? Uh, cause yeah, I had a lot of bills that merch helped me. Um, pay that's what's great about sometimes being an artist like if you stick around long enough 
eventually you get uh, bigger paychecks and it's kind of amazing and so yeah. that's what i've been trying to tell a lot of my my artist friends that are feeling that they're stuck in the middle and they're not yeah. you know um you know, wait it out. So many people tap out. You know? Sure. When everybody started moving, um, it was very sad, super sad, still sad about it. But part of me was like, well, maybe I'll get more gigs now. <laughs> like there was a time where I just, I, I everything started picking up. Yeah. Um, there was back in 2009, I had maybe two gigs a year. Mm-hmm. Now I have about, you know, when I'm really hustling, I have about maybe five paid shows a month. Mm. Um, that's a lot which is really great and that's and sometimes there's more i've definitely yeah. had months where i've had like 15 to 10 shows uh which i'm really really knock on wood grateful for mm-hmm. but part of me you know i'm such i have so much imposter syndrome and l- deep low self-esteem you know gen x or self-esteem <laughs> like low low self-esteem that i'm like um am i getting better at what i do or is it just that so many people are leaving the bay area they have no choice <laughs> they're like should we get this guy no he moved what about this guy she was evicted what about this person no nah, they moved to canada i guess we'll book the fat mexican again and i'm just like hola <laughs> you know what do you need what do you need you need stand-up you need poetry i'll do it i'm here for all of you but <laughs> i mean i might even do burlesque if it pays you know it does i mean some of my friends do burlesque and it pays really well and uh, even though I have incredibly low body uh, self-love, even though I work, I work hard to try to not hate my body. It's so amazing that there's people out there that are like interested in it. Thank the gay gods for chubby chasers. Otherwise, I would never get laid. God bless them. Goddesses bless them. Uh, if you are a hot, rich billionaire who is into fat Mexicans, talk to me after the show. I am here for you. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. Wow. <laughs> I usually say that oh. during my shows as well, um, just in case. It's never worked. I'm just worried about, like, <laughs> I think billionaires are all pretty evil. Oh, yeah, so totally. I, you know, like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If one of them wants to redistribute their wealth. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, or at, I least mean my to, mo- at least buy my mother a house. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just. Because someone asked me, like, if I wanted to, you know, they're like, oh, you're working so hard, you know, to be famous. And I was like, uh, pause. Yeah. I don't really think I want to be famous. Yeah. And they were like, why? And I'm like, because literally, like, that shit changes you. Mm-hmm. And I see so many people just yeah. not just change, but sometimes nothing they do works. One of my good friends is getting kind of famous. I'm not going to say who they are. But they said, "Can you tell me after the show?" I might. <laughs> they, they said one thing. I forgot what yeah. they did, but like it was completely misunderstood. Yeah. Or miss, and everybody's like starting to hate them now because they're everywhere. Oh, no. They're everywhere, and I certainly have that fear. And it's not that my fears are paranoid. I was at a coffee shop like yeah. two years ago, and these two writers who I won't name who they are were behind me. They didn't know I was there. They were trying to curate a show. Yeah. They were like, "Who should we put in this poetry show?" And they were like, definitely not that Baruch guy. I'm so tired of oh. seeing him everywhere. And I was like, oh, no, I'm getting J-Lo'd. <laughs> like, you know, like, everyone's tired of seeing me. Oh, no. But I haven't even, like, quote, unquote, made it yet. So I want to, like, at least make it a little bit first before people start getting tired of me. Um, which I hope people start don't start getting tired of me. And if they do, that's why I have a day job. So, <laughs> you know, I like to always have a plan B. Yeah. You know, and if and I think that's what. That's why I like doing all the stuff I do, because eventually, if I ever get tired of performing, I might just go back to painting. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I painted for a bit. Find a cabin somewhere and, like, paint. 
watch porn at night, wake up, you know. Not a bad life. Have some yogurt, paint some more. You know, I, I could see myself being like that old guy in the cabin near the sea who just paints all day and is like, come in, young man. <laughs> like my next model just comes in, you know, some 24 year old. I can paint them and then like, okay, shoo, go away, go away. Here's your money. Get out of here. <laughs> you know, buy my poetry book. <laughs> oh, that's, you were a painter? I used to, yeah. That's I painted amazing. once in New York. Yeah. I didn't know that. I just gave them away when I was, because I moved a lot and I ended up just giving them away, but I miss it. Like I miss making visual art. I miss making art. And that's that thing where trying yeah. to find the, the time, not, not find the time, but make the time, mm-hmm. I think. And I definitely identify with a lot of what you've said in terms of, you know, getting older and not being able to go out as much mm-hmm. or having the energy to, and also just pick and choosing where I do decide to go and spend my time. Mm-hmm. So, and then also recognizing that there's maybe, I mean, maybe there are things happening, but it's, I think maybe there's not as much go and then, uh, and like, what do I have the energy for and what do I yeah. decide to do? And like, I miss that a lot. Yeah. I started to be honest. Cause I was, like you, I, you know, painted and then I stopped and I felt so disconnected from it for years. And then sometimes it like hurt a little. I would see someone drawing and enjoying themselves and I would just yeah. get so sad. I'm like, oh, fuck, I really miss that. Yeah. But then I would try myself. And because I was out of practice and I hadn't done it for so long, I had so much pressure. And if I sucked, I would get so mad mm. thinking about all oh, how uh, oh, I'd be so good if I never stopped. Finally, um, I uh, was in was in San Antonio and was in a workshop on nonprofit art stuff mm-hmm. that was really informative, really well done. But to me, I was so bored and yeah. to not die, I started doodling on this piece of paper and this woman sitting next to me saw it and just gave me the sketchbook she had in her backpack. She mm. was like, here, here, draw something. And I was like, all right. So I just started drawing different things that she, she was also bored. Yeah. She was like, draw a cat. And I drew a cat and she just was like throwing random shit at me. Like draw an Ewok. I was like an Ewok. So I drew an Ewok or like my version of an Ewok. And that was so relaxing. And it helped us pass the time that I just always started keeping a little notebook with me and doodling random shit. I mean, if you go to my Instagram, which I hope you all do, please follow me on Instagram. I have no Instagram followers. Um, a lot of my earlier Instagram posts are just random doodles of spaghetti. One day I was bored and I was like, I'm going to draw spaghetti. <laughs> like no pressure though. Just had, I had no pressure to, you know, like, I think that when that happens, I will stop tiny Baruch. Like mm. if I get to a point where tiny Baruch feels like a job and I have a lot of pressure to, make him amazing then i probably will have to stop because it's about me relaxing yeah so i recommend you get yourself a little notebook and just next time we're about to go to sleep just draw something fun for yourself you know fuck everyone else or something from the day even don't even show it to anyone you know i didn't there's so much stuff that i draw that i don't show anyone at all you know um and i also do a lot of commission work and Mm -hmm. a lot of it is um i do portraits of genitals Mm-hmm. to make a little bit of extra cash because the city is expensive. And a lot of those people don't want me to post it anywhere, especially uh, men do. Men love <laughs> having me post a picture of their dick on Instagram if they've paid me to do a portrait of it. Huh. When women pay me to do portraits of their vaginas or their wife's vagina, they're like, no. And I completely understand because the internet treats anything female like horribly. Literally, a girlfriend of mine 
does vagina portraits as well and always gets flagged, always gets harassed, always gets... <sighs> I have so many dick portraits on my Instagram. I think I've only been flagged once in the years I've been doing this wow. now. It's really, really funny how, you know, double standard he is. I don't even know what the right word or is. It's misogynist. Just, it's bullshit. It's mis- misogynistic yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Because I feel like everyone should be able to post... All sorts of genitals Absolutely. on the internet. Absolutely. You know, if, especially if it's art, if it's a drawing and no one's getting hurt, you know? Blah. Yeah, well said. <laughs> Dick drawings. Indeed. <laughs> the, the, the uh, what's it called? The, the holidays are coming up. I think, I hope I get to, hope I get to have some commissions. Yeah. So again, so folks <laughs> can find you on Instagram. Yes. Uh, Baruch Borres Hernandez. Mm-hmm. That's uh, B-A-R-U-C-H. P as in Peter, O-R-R-A-S, Hernandez. That's it. It's just that Baruch Paris Hernandez. Great. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yay. Well, thanks so for sharing so much with us. Thank you so much. Sorry that I was such a blabbermouth today. I just It's so easy to talk to you, Roman. Oh, thanks. I've, I've heard that before. <laughs> it's good to have a meeting. You're a great like, listener. So thank you. <laughs> well, I appreciate what, what folks have to say. And I also just like appreciate being able to catch up with friends and also yeah. connect in this way. And I feel in the age of where there's so many like screens in front of us and there's that it feels false in a lot of ways, like connecting that way, like yeah. online. It's nice to talk to people in person and then to also just mm-hmm. hear conversations. Yeah. So we'll have this little capsule <laughs> of, of us for years from now. Yay. I, I sometimes do like hearing stuff I've been on. Um, even though I'm also definitely one of those people that doesn't like the sound of their voice on recordings, but I've also, you know, as an artist, you have to learn to get over that. Yeah. You know, along with the many, you want to keep performing well it's a thing know. too of like ego and like i mean that's a whole other conversation like as an artist especially as a performing artist where yeah. trying to run ag- up against that the narcissism however having one has to have enough like self-confidence and self-assurance to put yourself out there believe mm-hmm. that people want to hear what you have to say mm-hmm. book things advertise etc <laughs> promote, promote 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 and then at the same time like i also <laughs> have that you know that low self-esteem where it's kind oh, of yeah. like how do I balance the two? Yeah. And it's very difficult. Like I'm still trying to find ways to. It's a weird dance. Yeah. Some, a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a while from high school was like, I just saw an advertisement for one of your shows, but it wasn't like a positive thing. I was like, Oh, you did. And Uh she was like, and then I went into a bookstore and saw one of your books. And I was like, uh huh. Uh -huh. And then she was like, and then I saw a poster with your face on it. You put your face on like. She was like, you're everywhere. You must really love yourself. And I don't, I don't know if she was, if she knew she was sounding so, yeah, um, uh, harsh. Mm-hmm. But she was like, I don't remember you having that much self esteem. And I was like, bitch, I don't. I was like, what <laughs> are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I have very low self esteem. I don't do not love myself that much. But I also love what I do. Yeah. And so to keep doing that, I've mm-hmm. been told I have to promote myself that's another thing i had to fucking learn you know from I'm still learning that the yeah greats. marga i've learned so much from marga mm-hmm. she's a genius when it comes to promoting herself and i feel like with her she doesn't like i've never thought that she thinks she's hot shit <laughs> just it's just mm-hmm. every time i see her promote herself it's just because she's doing something fun and she wants her to join her right that's right. how i feel when i see her stuff and when i see her um performances speaking of performances I would love to see you perform again someday. Thank you. Mr. Roman. One of my favorite memories of going to the open mics at the rest in peace, uh, brainwash cafe, which was such a wonderful space to me. I know a lot of people, you know, like to shit on that space, but I loved the brainwash cafe. I loved Mm -hmm. going, but mostly because I realized now I would go with friends or I would go on nights when I knew other queers were going to be there. And I think you and I went one night and you did a, a set that was just so funny 
And mm-hmm. all the comics leading up to when you and I performed had been so homophobic. Yeah. You did a set kind of like responding to all the homophobic shit the straight comics had done. Uh-huh. And it was hilarious. I It was so funny to watch this, you know, sad little straight guy squirm because he knew all your jokes were calling him out. And they were like... On the spot, they're very, <laughs> they were landing. I don't even remember. I think I remember some of them. Um, <laughs> it, was just, it was great. And I, I, yeah, so I miss you performing. I miss Aww. seeing you do your thing, especially at the Queer Open Mic. So hopefully I can see you come back someday. Yeah, I mean, I'd but like I, But you are performing, right? I mean, you, just, you said you just did a show with Jesus. Oh, no, I was, Jesus was here on this show. Oh, okay. Uh, promoting uh, his show down cool, at San cool, Mateo cool. Pride. Uh center however i would like to get back into it yeah i miss when you're it ready yeah when you're ready. if there's any invitations out there i would <laughs> that's kind of you know it's like having a deadline it's right. like that kind of thing where if someone invites me to do something uh-huh then i'll, I'll make it happen right 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 so i'll put that out into the universe yeah tell the world yeah <laughs> just how many how many dead nazi jokes i don't know hey we all Never i mean enough. we all love that shit that's uh that's something i'm you know it's funny how other countries can do that but here, there's so many white supremacies controlling the media. Supremacists controlling the media. Mm-hmm. We kind of can't do that. That's mm. so weird. That's really weird. That it's like, oh no, you might hurt a Nazi's feelings. That's the point. What? What? They don't have right? feelings. What? Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> like that is just. Uh, I never in my life thought that I would live in a country that is like. But you know, white supremacists have rights too. But I mean, that's the history of this country, uh, though, unfortunately, yeah. which that we true. I mean, a lot no, of us weren't you taught. are correct. So, <laughs> I, yeah. <sighs> but let's not end on a terrible. Don't want to end on a terrible. <laughs> Come to love in the time of piñatas. <laughs> Invite Roman to perform yeah. at your shows and pay him a lot of money because he is funny and adorable. Thanks, Baruch. Yay. I feel the same about you. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll put on some music, some more. Me uh, amo uh, Sebastian, and uh, we'll wrap up the show. Yeah, thanks for being here. We can keep chatting while I uh, get this up. And here's a little bit more. And there we go.
Estrella de esas que hacen como. today's show thanks again for listening in thanks Rook, for being here uh feel free to check out the archive at mutinyradio.fm we've got shows going back the last few years also if you'd like to support this show we're collecting some funds to help pay the dues here at the station big thanks to the folks who do uh chip in you can go to patreon.com forward slash weekly rev uh for news and all that stuff you can follow me on twitter at r-o-m-a-n-r-i-m-e-r and that'll be it so 
we're broadcasting on Wednesday, so just uh, the November 20th. So keep that in mind when this is played again on Friday. Okay, everyone. who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local,